Okay, if you remember when we started in September, we were looking at the Beatitudes because they show us what our attitudes should be. These eight Beatitudes that Jesus taught, um, he taught at the beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and they all begin with the word blessed, an exclamation of not only a promise of future fulfillment, but a declaration of what the condition already is for the believer who's living in the reality of the Beatitude. So we're going to finish the series with this last of the Beatitudes. The last one is recorded in Matthew 5. It was three verses, 10 through 12, and it's probably the hardest one to live out day to day because no one likes to be persecuted. Pastor Chuck said of this, we are blessed when persecuted for Jesus' sake or for righteousness' sake, not for our own stupidity or fanaticism. Now, in the New Living uh, Translation, I just want to read you these verses because it makes it pretty simple and pretty clear what Jesus was saying. So Matthew 5, 10 through 12 in the Living reads, God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. And then also it's stated a little differently in Luke, but in Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, the living, New Living Translation reads, God blesses you who are hated and excluded and mocked and cursed because you are identified with me, the Son of Man. When that happens, rejoice. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were also treated that way by your ancestors. Um, he continues his thought in Luke down in verses 27 through um, 36. But if you are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give what you have to anyone who asks you for it. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do for others as you would like them to do for you. Do you think you deserve credit merely for loving those who love you? Even the sinners do that. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, is that so wonderful? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, what good is that? Even sinners will lend to their own kind for a full reward. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them. And don't be concerned that they might not repay. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Stop judging others and you will not be judged. Stop criticizing others or it will all come back on you. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. So some of these verses we looked at earlier um, a few weeks ago, but this is what the Lord calls us to do. This is what he did and he calls us to do it. Last week, we covered verse 10 in our part one of this last beatitude. Now we're going to finish with verses 11 and 12. And remember, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer or experience persecution. 
we were we were told that in other countries we know the persecution is much worse than what we experience here but yet still when we are living for Jesus and we put him first we will experience some type of persecution all these things Jesus said we would be exposed to and so ladies we have choices to make God has not and does not take away our free will we have a choice Philippians 2.13 tells us he's at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But we must choose to cooperate. We choose to obey. We choose to be a doer of his word. We choose to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit within us. So two things in this area that we need to make a choice. First, to live godly in Christ Jesus. It's up to us if we're going to choose to keep Jesus first, to live for him, to have him be our priority at all costs. And then if we choose to do that, if we choose to live godly in Christ Jesus, then we choose how we will respond when we are persecuted, when we're rejected or mocked or ridiculed or hated. Jesus said that we should rejoice and be happy about it. We should count it all joy. Be so filled with joy that we would leap for joy. You know, and I, I thought of this as I was thinking about this description of joy and how we were to exhibit it. When I watch my grandson play football and he throws a pass that's caught and they run and get the touchdown, it's so exciting. We're jumping up in the stands. When I watch my granddaughter who plays volleyball and she serves an ace, which means it, it can't be returned, um, or when she blocks a ball or, or has a kill, um, meaning they get the point and the other team couldn't return it. Some of those games that, that we watch played are heart stoppers, but we're on our feet yelling and jumping for joy. Um, we're raising our arm in, in victory. Um, and, and I think that's what I thought of when Jesus said that we should leap for joy. But that's not so easy to do when we're being persecuted. Our flesh, our pride doesn't like it. Our flesh and our pride, we want to escape it. We want to avoid it. We don't want to be disliked or disapproved of or thought, oh, you know, they're just trying to be holier than thou. But that's not having an eternal perspective. That is living in comfort, not wanting to make ways. Well, Jesus didn't come to show us the comfortable way. So why should we choose to be joyful when we experience any form of persecution when we are living godly in Christ Jesus. And you know, you see it out in the stores if you've been out doing any shopping. There's these wall signs and these table desk signs that say, choose joy. Choose joy. And basically, that's accurate. We need to choose if we're going to be joyful no matter what's going on. But the Lord kind of pointed out five reasons just in this section of scripture that we're looking at. Five reasons to choose joy and to reasons we have to rejoice. In number one, Matthew 5.10, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven belonged to those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. When you think about it, ladies, as a believer, you're part of God's kingdom that has no end. The king of kings is your father. He's your friend. He's your companion. Jesus is your bridegroom who's coming again for you. He's your provider, your protector. His kingdom is forever, and you're going to live with him forever. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is yours. And that should bring you joy when you think about it. 
Number two, Matthew 5, 12, Jesus declared, great is your reward in heaven. It didn't say you're going to have a reward in heaven. It says great is your reward. That's great. That is more than, uh, it's more than just good. It's great. You're going to be rewarded in heaven for living for Jesus now. The glory we will experience cannot be compared to what we know here on earth. Our finite minds can't imagine it can't comprehend it. The greatest reward here now is nothing compared to this reward that is going to be given to us in heaven. And I thought of it's like preparing to go to the Olympics, but already knowing you're going to have a medal waiting for you. It isn't just the honor and privilege of going and representing your country and your field of talent, but you're already promised a great reward when you get there. That should bring you joy and cause you to rejoice. Number three, Luke 6, as I read in the Luke, uh, New Living Translation, states that we are identified with him, the Son of Man. So first, it's a reason to be joyful because we're accepted in the Beloved, according to Ephesians 1, 6. But to be associated with Jesus, to be identified with God, the Son, the Creator, the Savior, the Perfect One, the Sovereign God, being friends with someone important or of high position is, is a privilege and an honor. Not that we would say so so much today. Um, I know there's a lot of mixed feelings with our president, but, but just think if you could say, I'm best friends with the president or I'm best friends with the Queen of England or any position of power and respect, um, it's an honor. And here we are associated. We can say we are best friends with God with Jesus, the Son. We're accepted, and we will be associated with the Lord. We'll be known as someone close to him. We're in the inner circle with God, so to speak. How awesome is that? And that's a reason to rejoice and to be joyful. If you're called a Jesus freak, don't be offended. Take it as a compliment. That means others know that you are putting Jesus first and you're living for him, regardless of the cost, regardless of the rejection or ridicule you might experience. And that reality should make it a little easier for you to get through that persecution. It doesn't matter that they maybe aren't impressed now or think Maybe they think you're a little Looney Tunes, but when every knee bows and every tongue confesses Jesus is Lord, and every tongue will and every knee will bow, you'll already be there, welcomed and receiving your reward. That's reason to be joyful. Four, another reason is in Matthew 5.12 and Luke 6.23, because we're told when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, that we will be in good company. Those who have gone before us, the prophets who were rejected, ignored, and mocked. And there was an optional question in the lesson that I hope some of you were able to find an Old Testament prophet that Jesus was probably referring to. God's people have always been rebellious, but he's always sent someone to speak to them, to give them a chance to turn from their rebellion. And today he's speaking to the lost through us. Many will not listen, but that's not up to us. Ours is to choose to live godly for Jesus, and to put him first, and to make him known to others when he gives us opportunity to do so. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, the believers are likened to running a race as we go through this life, and it tells us we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, some think those witnesses uh, refer to angels who are watching 
uh, and are just amazed at God's grace and how he works in the lives of these human beings. But others think it refers to the saints who have gone on before us, saints that are like listed in Hebrews um, 11, the hall of faith. But the bottom line is that we are, as we run this race, to get rid of the sins and the weights that would trip us up, that would ensnare us. And instead, we need to keep running with patience and endurance, keeping our eyes on the Lord who has gone before us. And he knows what it's like. He knows what we experience. And that takes us to the last reason that I'll share about why we can choose joy, why we have reason to rejoice. We can choose joy in spite of the persecution because we are allowed a taste of the suffering that Jesus experienced on our behalf. In Philippians 3.10, I put, put it in one of the questions in the lesson. Paul wrote, after declaring all his credentials and position that were just counted as rubbish to him now, he said all he wanted to know was Jesus and his righteousness that came from a relationship with Jesus. And he said that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Well, Jesus was persecuted. He endured far more than any of us will ever experience. And we can know him just a little bit better when we are allowed to experience a little bit of the suffering that he endured. We all love the part of that verse of knowing him through the power of his resurrection. That's that victory living. That's that power that comes as we walk as overcomers, as we walk in obedience and we experience that victory and how we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. But this also goes on to say that we will know him and can know him through the fellowship, through that sharing of his sufferings. As we grow in our knowledge of him, ladies, we're going to grow in our likeness of him as well, and we'll be conformed to his death. And as I tell you just about every time I speak, Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him daily deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow him. And that's that death to self. That is that being conformed to his death, being willing to lay down our life. And you know, I heard a speaker one time talk about, you know, dead people that are dead and buried don't care what other people think about them. What They don't care what other people say about them. Or you could go to a, a graveyard and stand by someone's grave and just rant and rate, just, just tell, say horrible things to that person about that person, and they're not going to care. Well, we're to be dead <laughs> to our old nature, dead to sin. We've been given a new nature. We have new life in Jesus Christ. So when we're mocked or ridiculed or rejected because of our faith, well, you can count it all joy. And don't let it get to you. Let it run off of you like water runs off a duck's back. Because <laughs> that old nature, that pride, that reputation, that part of yourself, that should be dead. Dead to those things. And so... Don't give in to it. Um, don't let the enemy use that to silence you, uh, to, to keep you from continuing to let your light shine. That's a reason to rejoice and be joyful, ladies. It's a choice. And I think how we view or perceive persecution is going to make a difference in whether we rejoice and are joyful when it, we experience it. 
Ladies, I encourage you when we're on break over this holiday season, read through Matthew 5, 13 and 16. These are the verses that follow these eight Beatitudes that we've studied. And Jesus said that we're to be light and salt. And when the Beatitudes are our attitudes, we will be the salt and light. He wants us to be, and it will be for his glory. Being poor in spirit, mourning over your sin, being meek, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, being merciful, being pure in heart, being a peacemaker, and even being persecuted for living godly in Christ Jesus. You will be salt and you will be light. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, again, your faithfulness to us each week as we've studied your word, as you've taught us and given us deeper understanding of your word and how it applies to us and how you want us to apply your word to our lives. So we just pray that you continue, Lord, to give us understanding and application of, of your word, of your truth. And Lord, may it be for your glory and praise. And Lord, I pray that during this holiday season, we'll be that salt and light you call us to be. Lord, that we could live our lives with you first, always putting you first, regardless of others and how they respond or react to us. We don't want to be um, obnoxious, but Lord, help us to live out our faith, Lord, for your praise, for your glory, and for your pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen.